Hello everyone, my name is Cody Klein and I'm joined by co-host Hannah Niblett and we're both resident directors here at Belmont University. Today we're going to be discussing the academic, emotional, and social transitions from high school to college, how our expectations can differ from reality, and how to navigate this transition successfully. Our guest today is Dr. Laila Bonner. She is an assistant professor of mental health counseling graduate program here at Belmont. She graduated with her PhD in clinical counseling, teaching, and supervision from the KCREP accredited doctoral program at Trebekah University in 2018. Is there anything that I'm missing or that you'd like to share, Dr. Bonner? Actually, there's nothing that you're missing. You did a great job with that intro. Thank you. I need to hire you. I will say that I've been a high school student. I've been a college student. Now I'm a fully functioning adult and a professor, as you read for me. So there's really nothing else. Maybe I'll add that I really like dogs. I'm a crazy dog lady. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Bonner. Hannah, you want to take it from here? Absolutely. The first topic of transition that we're going to be discussing is academics. Dr. Bonner, what is the number one skill or practice that you wish that all students were familiar with before walking into your classroom on day one? My number one practice that I think students, whether they're undergrad or grad students, should practice or be mindful of is professionalism. Mm-hmm. Be mindful of professionalism. You've heard the phrase, college is not the 13th grade. Well, college is not the 13th grade. (laughs) Students and parents want to remember that high school is college prep, right? So this college is the professional dress rehearsal. So professionalism involves multiple skills and practices. That's time management. Be on time. Use a calendar to be able to schedule your events that are academic and social and your major exams. Manage assignments properly. There are multiple readings in grad school, multiple books, multiple articles, multiple presentations and exams. Be able to manage those. Accountability is actually on my list as well and a part of professionalism. Being accountable and responsible. You know, I really encourage students and parents to reflect on this idea that when you come to college, your professors are support systems for you, but they're not your parents, right? So you are responsible for your own success in classes, right? Being accountable, that means, did you read and follow the syllabus? Because that's your guide in your contract in class. Did you ask questions for clarification when you didn't understand an assignment or did you just submit it cluelessly? (laughs) (laughs) And then if you know you must be absent, did you follow the policy? This is all a part of professionalism. You can't go to, to work and say, oh, I know that when I signed the contract to work here, I only had three days off for the year, but oops, I had soccer practice, right? So manage your accountability and finally manage your expectations and be respectful. All of those things are part of professionalism. That's what I would say. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you. So my next question has to do with 
the overview structure of your semester. So obviously we know that every professor is going to be a little bit different, as all educators are, but could you tell us a little bit about your instruction type and maybe like so your assessment formats, just to give some of our listeners a opportunity, just a window into what that might look like for them? Yes, yeah, so you're right. Every professor is different, but in terms of the semester structure, it's pretty much the same for everyone, right? You have a semester. In my particular program, the semester is broken up into two mini semesters. So students are taking something like four classes a semester, broken up into eight weeks the first half and eight weeks the second half. But in terms of personal style, I would say that I am, I always say that I am a process-oriented professor versus a product-oriented professor. So what I mean by that is I think the process of learning, conversation, discussions, experiential activities are, are what really crystallize learning for students, right? So I'm looking along the way for what you may have learned for you to interact with me and ask questions. And then at the end, sure, we take an exam, you do a case study, you may do a presentation, but I believe it's in the process, the interaction where the learning actually happens. So that's what my teaching style is like. Awesome. Thank you. Wow, that, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing about the academic transition. But now let's move on to the emotional transition because we all know like, we are holistic beings. We're not just one thing. We're divided into physical, emotional. Like There's so many different ways that we can care for ourselves. And so with that being said, Dr. Bonner, my first question for you is based on your knowledge and work with mental health counseling, what would you say is that most challenging piece of that mental transition from high school to college? Like why is there so much difficulty with that emotional transition? Based on my work, the most challenging part of the mental transition, I would say is a lack of good coping skills. So here's what students and parents should know. When they are preparing to come to college, they're packing all their bags, they want to pack a bag of coping skills. You know, what they don't know or may not know is that adolescence, that's the time from middle school to high school, developmentally speaking, is the time when young people should have a level of independence and develop a skill set to make them independent so that they are prepared for adulthood. College is called emerging adulthood. So they should be developing the skills before they get here. So before they get here, students should have some experiences with the following. They should have some experiences managing themselves without mom or dad, because if you get to college and don't have that skill set, that's going to be problematic. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Students should have some experience making decisions on their own. When they get to college, there's nobody go that's going to help them make decisions. So they need to have that experience before they get here. Students need to know how to find resources and ask for help. They need to know how to make friends and manage conflict. They need to know how to manage dis disappointment and failure and stress. How, how do they self-soothe? Do they learn how to do that before they get to college? Because if you come to college without having had that experience, it's going to be doubly stressful. 
You know, I think about students that, that I've worked with previously, and a lot of our students come from across the country, maybe California, maybe New Jersey. Well, coming to college is not the first time, the first experience you should have with being away from mom and dad, because otherwise you've not developed any skills to be independent. You've not had the opportunity to, to manage separation anxiety. So college is stressful in and of itself alone. But then if you add a lack of coping skills, a lack of exposure, a lack of experience with being away on your own, then you don't have any skills to manage when you get here. And then finally, I would say students need to know how to take care of any special needs that they may have. So are you a student that has diabetes or have you already been managing depression? Do you know how to take care of your special circumstances before you get here? Again, parents need to know that they should avoid being the only coping skill that students have. Because then when they come to college, if you're in California, mom and dad, if you're in New Jersey, that's not helpful to your child. You want them to have experiences with independence and learning how to cope with being independent before they get here. Pack a bag of coping skills. Students, you want to know and learn how to expand your repertoire of coping skills. Wow, that's just some awesome practical thing. I can just think of, there's been quite a few students though we've had to work with as RDs who they don't have those coping skills. This is the first time that they've been on their own. And when one thing comes at them, they didn't get into the songwriting school or something That's like it. that. They don't know how to handle it. So That's it. yeah, preparing for disappointment. That's a huge part of life altogether. Like we need to learn how to move past it and have some re resiliency to it as well. That's it. So good. So good. Okay. So here's my next question. Okay. Would you agree that mental health issues are more prevalent in today's college students compared to those of 10 to 20 years ago? And if so, what do you think those causes are? Yeah, so I'm not sure if they are more prevalent, but perhaps they look different and perhaps some are more prevalent now hmm. than in previous times. So for example, Working with college students, I see a lot of anxiety, tons and tons and tons of anxiety, right? Well, when you think about who are today's college students, I think your question was compared to 10 or 20 years ago. Let's see, this is 2020, right? Yep. What happened close to 10 years ago? 9-11. 9-11. So young people who were born in the age of 9-11 Think about all of the issues they've had to contend with just at a societal level. School shootings, coronavirus. Some of them didn't even have graduation ceremonies because of coronavirus, right? So when you think about those students being in college or being in high school during that time, and now they're either in college or coming to college, of course they're riddled with anxiety. We're not even talking about maybe personal experiences they've had, family experiences they've had. We're just talking about how they've had to experience a really unstable and, and, and dangerous world in a different fashion. So what I'm really alluding to is generations. So if you think about baby boomers, Gen Xers, 
and now millennials, what they experience just in society, in society alone and how they have learned to deal with those or not deal with those, they're coming into college with those experiences. So I think in part, what people today, what young people today have experienced just as a result of what's going on in our world today sort of heightens anxiety. But I also think that learning how to cope with those things before you get here is important as well. And different generations have, ha have had different climates to contend with, which also contribute to their mental health and psychological concerns. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for answering that question. My final question for you, I know you talked about packing your bag of coping mechanisms, but are there any other tools that we can equip our listeners to handle that emotional transition in addition to the bag that has so many different coping mechanisms? In? Yeah, for sure. Finding a support system. You mentioned that. So, but in order to do that, they got to know how to seek support and how to make friends when they get here. I will say that the Counseling Center on campus is a great resource. You all, resident directors and RAs, they're very helpful. And perhaps if there's a faculty member that you especially connect with, do you have a faculty member that's from your side of the country or your side of the world? Is there someone that looks like you or has a similar experience as you? Reach out to that faculty member and students who also have similar experiences. So finding support systems as soon as they get here are most important. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think, especially from a res life perspective, the first two weeks of college are super vital in developing community. I mean, it's everyone's new, everyone's here trying to make friends. So if students that are coming to college for the first time seize that opportunity and put themselves out there and try to make friends, they will succeed because right. everyone is doing that in the first two weeks of college. So everyone's doing it. And you know, just from a, a clinician's framework, if I'm sitting with a student in a counseling office and I want to give them an actual tool they can hold on to, it's this. The beliefs that we have can really limit us. We call them limiting beliefs in counseling. So sometimes students get here the first two, two weeks and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Oh my gosh, it's too much. But I help them develop a mantra. And so I'm going to give you all and your audience this mantra for free. And it is, I can do hard things. Mm, that's I can do hard things. You know, young people get to college. I'm sure they've done something hard. So this is true for most people. I can do hard things things. If we challenge those limiting beliefs that we have, the beliefs that say, I can't make friends, or I can't go over there, or I can't do this or that, we just need to challenge it. So here's a mantra, I can do hard things. That's gold. That can equip students to just be courageous, which yes. is all about being in college too. Like go out and do the things that you're scared of. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay, well now we will shift gears to talk about arguably the most anticipated aspect of college for many students, which is the social life. Dr. Bonner, what are some healthy boundaries that you would encourage students to set and make a priority as they enter into a whole new social sphere um, in work-life balance? Yeah, so I guess the first thing I'd like to say is that boundaries are like baby gates. Can you imagine a toddler 
running around the house with no baby gates and no supervision. What yeah. happens? Chaos, right? Chaos. Yeah. Chaos ensues, okay? So boundaries are like baby gates. Boundaries help others to know where you end and where they begin. It's a form of self-care, a form of self-respect, and it really protects your physical, mental, and emotional space. Without boundaries, we really run the risk of becoming distressed. So to set boundaries, we must first know, or students should first know, that you have the right to set boundaries. Yeah. Who you are and what you need matter. You should also know who you are and what you need if you're gonna set good boundaries. And then finally, good solid communication skills that help you to communicate who you are and what you need are very important in setting boundaries. So in college, there are three areas in which I believe boundaries are super important. Number one is in your living situation with roommates, O-N-G, mm -hmm. right? Communication and compromise are of the utmost importance. So think about uh, you have a very social roommate and a very studious roommate. Can you imagine? Well, I'm sure you can imagine your RDs, the conflict that ensues. But students should know that you have to coexist, but it's your space too your needs matter okay so communication and compromise when it comes to roommates relationships that's another area where i think in college it's super uber important to set boundaries and here's a tip in fact write this down you got a pen hannah cody oh yeah yep. okay n o n o i got it yeah learn to say no it's a whole sentence Okay, and you can say no in every language. What are your values, okay? Students need to ask themselves, what are my values? And when friends or romantic interests ask them to break their value system, just say no. It's a full sentence. And then finally with work. Now, I've had the pleasure of having individuals who work in residence life as students. And what I know is that can be a real challenge when you're a counseling student and you work in res life. <laughs> I mean, the boundaries can get real ridiculous, I can only imagine. So it's important when you're working students to know your role. What is your role? Be clear about the expectations that your employer has of you. When the expectations are ambiguous when the roles are ambiguous this is when conflict can arise identify the role conflicts and set them straight okay so that's all i got that is amazing advice so my last question is just personally what do you wish you had known going into your freshman year of college and what advice would you give to your younger self Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wish I could get a do-over. I would say that I wish I'd known that college was more than academics. So I was the perfectionistic student. I had the goal of graduating with a 4.0 in three years. And I was excessively focused on academics to the detriment of my social life. So I would give my younger self the advice to have more 
balance, have more balance. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of our Belmont students. We have some really ambitious students who are just so successful and driven. So that is definitely a good piece of advice. And located in Nashville, Tennessee, there's so much fun to be had here and lots of opportunities to just get involved in the greater community. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Bonner. If there's one thing that you would want to let our listeners leave with, what is that one message you would like to leave them with? (sighs) That college can be a great experience. Just make sure you have your coping skills, have proper expectations, and remember, it's still your professional dress rehearsal. So have balance when you get here, but remain accountable and enjoy. Such good wisdom from Dr. Bonner. Okay. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today. Thank you so much, Dr. Bonner, for joining us. We really encourage you guys to listen to the other Ready For podcast, and we look forward to seeing you in the fall. 